Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. But the main thing I want to talk about today was the birth and information and tracing bill, which after 70 years you heard during the news, people who are adopted, like me, who are adopted have waited 70 years to have the same blatant rights that everybody else has, which is just to have a birth cert, know who your mother and father is, etc., etc. And that bill is being published this week. Um, we should get the details of the bill tomorrow, but some of the bill has already been, obviously the media have already been talking about some of the bill and the requirement for the information session to be held by a social worker has been removed. Um, the idea that a parent or a mother, should I say, um, who will put a child up for adoption and doesn't want to give the child the information, that's gone out the window. You have to now have, the child is entitled to the information. Now, I'm still a bit sketchy and I still have a little understanding of how it works if a mother doesn't want contact. Um, it says here the requirement for the information session we have the information session will be will include explicit recognition of the identity rights of the applicant and their right to access their birth certificate and birth information. Next of kin will be able to avail of the legislation to access information about family members in specific circumstances and the definition of early life information has been expanded to provide for the release of baptismal certificates and entries on the baptismal register. Now the only thing I am concerned about and I noticed Alison O'Reilly was talking about it today, reporter and journalist, that the legislation will use the term mother instead of birth. Mother. Now, I absolutely disagree with this. This is political correctness. This is nuttiness. This is madness. There is nothing wrong with the term birth mother. This was an argument about six months ago when they said they were removing that term from the legislation. Because my gut feeling and my feeling on this is my birth mother is not my mother. She's my birth mother, my biological mother, my birth parent, my birth mother, whatever, you want, whatever term you want to put it. I'm happy with any term you want to put it, right? But she's not my mother. My mother, as far as I'm concerned, is the person who raised me. And that's Lily who passed away about 10 years ago. She's my mother. She's the person who raised me. Now, I have no problem calling the person who gave birth to me my birth mother. And well done to her. And sadly, she passed away about two years ago. But that's my birth mother. And I think this distinction is important for people. The idea that you, because of political correctness, and we all know why, don't we? We all know why. Because according to the narrative in today's world, a mother, woman, may not have the ability to give birth. Now, I don't mean for those women who have difficulty giving birth. That's certainly not what I mean. I don't want to be insensitive about that. But I think you all know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is why this word has been changed. And it's disgusting. It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to mothers of Ireland. It's disrespectful to women. It's disrespectful to birth children. It's disrespectful to everybody. And it's horrendous that it's been changed. And I would demand, if I were the people responsible in campaigning for this particular legislation, and I was involved in it, I would demand that that is removed and changed back to the word birth mother. Because that's exactly who gave birth to you. Now... I'll get into the bill in a few minutes. But before I do that, I want to read out this email. And I think it's an interesting angle on the story. And it says, Hi now, I know you have your own adoption background and I want to talk about my story. I gave up my son for adoption in 1971 and he was a beautiful boy. At the time I was too young and not married and parents in the small town were not good with the young girls being mothers. Anyway, it was the hardest thing I ever did the day I let go of my little baby boy. I didn't want to let him go and even considered leaving home to avoid doing it. 
My mother and father were very proud Catholics and it would have destroyed our family if their 17-year-old daughter had a baby. I struggled for many years with my dirty little secret, but in the interim, I got married and had my own four children and now have five grandchildren and we have a very close family. I think of my little boy who's now in his 50s and I wonder if he's okay and how he did. Did he get married? Does he have a job? Does he have children? But I managed to put it at the back of my mind and I have never told a soul and my mother and father are the only ones that knew and they took that secret to their graves. Every time I hear news about this new law that allows children to find <coughs> to find their parents, my anxiety, anxiety levels go to the roof and my husband constantly asks me what's wrong as I wear my heart on my sleeve and I have this little lie that I have to cover up constantly and pretend I have other worries. It would break his heart and not that I, I have a child but that I have never told him as we tell each other everything. I can't tell anybody and I never want to open that part of my life again as I can't deal with it and I would be so ashamed of what my grandchildren, my husband and my children would think of me lying and having a baby out there. Please ask your listeners to understand the position of the mothers who don't want to be part of the life of that life and reopened again as it will destroy their current happy lives. Please talk about that side of the story on your show. Thank you. And I did want to cover that side of the story. And then although I do believe that every mother or every child has a right to know who their parents are, I do understand the plight of those women who consensually gave up their children for adoption, back, particularly back in the 1950s, 60s and 70s, and signed a document saying that they would never be contacted, saying that their information would never be given. And now that's all invalid because of this legislation. Now, there was trouble, obviously, with this legislation. There was constitutional issues with it. It had to go back and forward uh, to the Attorney General constantly all the time in relation to the the rights of privacy. But in saying that, the bill is now there. It's on the way. And the way it will work, essentially, from what I'm led to believe, that if you're a child in this country, one of the 70,000 children that's been adopted, and you have no idea who your parents are because you've never been given a birth cert. All you'll ever get is the new cert with your new adoptive parents' names on it. <coughs> Forgive me. I've something caught in my throat. Um, well, you now will have that information. And no matter whether the mother who put you up for adoption wants you to have that information or not is now irrelevant. You will have that information and you will get that information. There will be a proviso in there that you don't contact the mother if that's what she you know if she, that's what she deems necessary that you don't contact her now i don't know how you put that into legislation do you give a protection order uh, i don't know how that works should be told by a social worker listen here's your information but please don't contact the mother here's her name you probably won't be giving her address but that's easy enough to find out from the voters register isn't it particularly with an unusual name but you will be asked to make no contact there'll be a no contact order that still doesn't stop you knocking on her door Still doesn't stop you giving her a phone call, sending her a text, going onto Facebook, sending her a message. Still doesn't stop you doing that, opening up that whole part of her life again. But I want to know, do you believe those adoption birth mothers, do they have the right to remain anonymous? That's the question I'm going to ask you today, because this woman believes they should because of her personal circumstances. Do you believe they have the right to remain anonymous? Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. Do birth mothers, and I'm calling them birth mothers, I don't care what the legislation and what the government thinks, I'm calling them birth mothers, do they have the right to remain anonymous? 
Uh, let me go to Mark. Mark, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How you doing, Mark? How you doing, Will? Uh, Mark, do you do you believe? I mean, I I, I don't know. You you heard that full email I just read out there from a woman. And, I, and I, I kind of did. I didn't know the the it, what it. I only heard the legislation okay. this morning. Yeah. So I didn't really look into it, and I kind of was a day late and a dollar short on it. Right. Okay. And. Look, the bottom line is now, as an adoptive child, you have the right to information, the same as anybody else. But there are mothers out there, and we know the horrific stories of babies that were taken from mothers and mother baby homes, but there are a percentage of mothers who consensually gave their children up for adoption and have parked that part of their life and have kept that secret for 30 or 40 years, 50 years, and nobody knows, and they don't want to know. And I'm not saying they're being callous about it, but they've, they've put that behind them. Do they have the right to remain anonymous? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, it must be a very hard thing. Mm-hmm. Are you okay, Mark? I do. Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. It's just... You know. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Mark. Okay. Yeah, um, let, 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 let's just go back. Let's go back to your story, all right? You were adopted in the 1970s. That's correct. Yeah. And you found... Are you okay? Do you want to grab yourself a glass of water there? Are you all right? No, no, no. Okay. I have my coffee here. Okay, good man. Okay. So you found your birth mother uh, a year before, sadly, before she passed away. Yes. Okay. And, at first and she you... told the family yeah. the night before she died that she gave me up for adoption. So nobody knew about you and her family until the, literally the night no. before she died? So she kept... And how old was she? She was 50. Okay. She's quite young. She's quite young. Yeah. Quite young. young. So, um, she, so she had kept that a secret. Yeah. And, and did she... Had she got married again? Or had she got married then and had children? It's a real complicated one. Um, she had... She got pregnant before me. And the father said, Yeah, okay. We, we'll... We'll look after the baby, and you can stay here, whatever. Yeah. But it turned out it was twins. Okay. And he said, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way we can hide that. And so she gave them up for adoption. Yeah. And they were adopted by two uh, doctors. Okay. GPs over in Clare. And they took the pair of them. And then she fell pregnant again with me, but didn't want to tell anybody about it. So she went down to Bessborough House in Cork, mother's and baby's home. Mm-hmm. Said she had a job down there and through the pregnancy. And then I was moved up to a place called St. Patrick's Guild, which is now known as the Unknown Adoption House. Mm-hmm. So I was adopted from there. Yep. Was that two St. Uh, Louise's at the time? That would have been. What is, I think it was a St. Louise's Adoption Society with St. Patrick's Guild, I think. I, I, yeah. It's gone through so many names. Because I know, so I know. I know. Yeah. You know? Um, the only reason I got that from there is because my father had a... His best man and friend was a priest. Right. It was kind of in so those days, it was who you knew, wasn't it, really? Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. It was all and if you, ha- and if you had a few quid to donate to, it helped. That's it, yeah. yeah. My dad did have a few quid, so yeah. um, I was adopted by two amazing people. Mm. And when did you find out you were adopted? That's the weird thing about it. 
I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me that you were so traumatized by it that you don't remember. I just always knew I was adopted. Yeah, I remember for me, I was 13 years of age. It was New Year's Eve. And my man and Darby were having a row and I was lying in bed yeah. and I could hear the two of them arguing. And I remember my mother saying, don't tell him, don't tell him. And my father said, he has to know. And my father was very yeah. dogmatic, you know. My father was a devout Christian and he was very dogmatic and I was called down yeah. the stairs and he said, uh, no, come down, I want to talk to you. This is after midnight. It's like one o'clock in the yeah. morning. I'm 13 years of age. And he says, right. just want to let you know um, you're adopted. Uh, we didn't okay. have you. And... I think he had a few drinks on him, you know. And he said, you're grand, right. you can go back to bed now. And that was how I, that was how I found out. Okay, and how did I do? <laughs> you know, and I remember going back to bed going, okay, what does that even mean? You know, because yeah. I, mean? I was 13 yeah. years of age. You didn't age. have the internet to look it up? No, no, I couldn't Google. I couldn't start Googling immediately. But it, but it can, for some people, it can be very traumatic. That can be a very traumatic time to be told something. Yeah, like it, was. it was. Even to, like, when... A child from the seventies, so you can guess my age. Even now, it's still mm-hmm. it's 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 as you know from the start of the conversation. It it, it, it still hurts. Yeah, yeah. So when when did, when did you start? Can you remember just, when did you start looking? Then you know at what stage did you start kind of doing a bit? I was twenty six. Yeah, and it took me about eight years. Yeah, and it was I I had this. Amazing woman that was uh, in St. Patrick's Guild. Christine was her name, which is really weird, and I'll follow that up. And she she'd contact me every year and go, right, "I've got this far, I've got that far." Until eventually, she said, "I found her." Right. Don't mention too ma- don't, ma- don't mention too many second names right like that. But was your name unusual that it was more easy? It was easier to find or something like that. The second name. No, no. it wasn't. Okay, no. because sometimes, um, like, I, I've often said to people, like, my, I was given the name Niall at birth, right? So it made it a lot yeah. easier for me to go through the records physically, which was over wherever they used to have their registered births office, and to go through the book. So it made it much easier. But if you have a name mm. like Paul Murphy, or John, yeah, no. you know, John O'Reilly, or something that would be very typically Irish at the time, it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah, you know? well, uh, according to the family, um, my birth mother was a religious woman and she mm. believed in saints. Right. And she called me Mark Anthony. Oh, okay. So that was kind of easier to, I yeah. think. Yeah, because you had a double barrel name. Mm. Exactly. And yeah. my adoptive parents kept the name. Right. And that's a good, yeah, that's what the same thing happened to me. My adoptive parents kept the name. So yeah. when you finally got to make contact with her, and meet her. What was that experience like for you? Well, I didn't get to meet her. I only got to meet the family. Okay. And they, which was very unusual because I told your researcher there that my best friend and my best man who lived in a certain part of Dublin, not too far from me, that family lived five hours up Wow. from him. Small world, isn't it? It's a very small world, and I'll tell you how small it is. When I eventually said, right, I'm going to search, my adoptive mother said, yeah, that's no problem, I'll help you. But there's one thing I want to say to you. On your birthday, I used to bring you into, I don't know, do you know Thomas Street? Yeah, Thomas Street, yeah. Yeah, there's a little grotto in there. Yeah. And I know. My, my, mother used to bring, 
My my mother used to bring me into the ground of Thomas Street as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my mother went in there religiously on Friday. Yeah. Was she from the Liberties? Was she from the Liberties? No, but okay. they lived in the Liberties for a okay. little while. Okay. So she used to bring me in on my birthday and light a candle for my adoptive. Yeah. Or my birth mother. For your birth mother, yeah. Yeah. And when I met the family, they told me that on the night that she passed away, she used to go in on my birthday. Right. That's a crazy coincidence, isn't it? And like, kind of for me. Yeah. So we could have been there the same day. You could you could have been there at the same time, at the same day, just past exactly, each other, yeah. and past each other. Mm. Strange. Yeah. But lovely. And see, for people listening today who hear the adoption stories in the news all the time and they hear, you know, about the different legislation and the bills and everything else. Yeah. And they go, Asha, what's all the panic about? They don't understand the psychological effect it can have on somebody. No, no, no. You know, I, I know... For the mother, it must be terrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Particularly for a mother, by the way, who gave a child up for adoption, um, who was coerced or forced to do it at the time. Yeah, and, and, I think, and I think a lot of them were. Because um, although they may say that they consented and signed a form... They had no choice because... But they did it on what I was led to believe from the woman that found my adoptive, or my birth mother. They did it while they were actually in labour. That's right. But they would have no choice because there was no financial assistance for a single mother in those days. And And not only that... If you were from a small part of Ireland or a small village in Ireland, which, let's be clear about it, we go back in time, there was a lot of small parts in Ireland in uh, comparison yeah. to now. There was a huge amount of shame attached because we were yeah. all quite religious in those days. The Catholic oh, Church massively. insisted that, you you know, you didn't have sex and you got married and that was the end of it. So yeah. we, it was a very religious and that would have been the way it would have been, you know, obviously in, uh, with my uh, birth mother at the time as well, that if you had a baby out of wedlock, you had to get rid of that baby. Yes. Yeah. You know that's that's not you don't bring shame on the family like that. You well, know? that was that, that's why I thought it was unusual that the father had said to my birth mother, "Yeah, we, we're going to keep it." But once it was twins, they couldn't hide it. Yeah, of course, yeah. And does it when you think back now? I mean, the fact that you 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 said you actually never got to meet her. Now you knew who she was. She told her family about you before she died. The night before she died. Yeah. But I mean. The fact that you never got to meet her. Have you seen sp- spoken to some of the family since? Obviously, you have. Oh yeah, yeah, I had yeah, a big yeah, meeting with them. Yeah, and uh, we all sat down and you know shot the, the conversations and they, they told you they told you all about her course. life and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I wrote them a letter and I told them. Yeah, it must be heartbreaking that you never my, got to talk to her. Yeah. What would you have? Is there something you would have liked to have asked her? That maybe you've never got the answer to. That's a weird one because, um, like, before, if I put if I put her in front of you now, what would be the first question you'd ask her? I mean, we know why. I, I, mean, I wouldn't ask her a question. Would you? Know? No. Okay. No, I know what you mean. I just say thanks, and I love you. Because you've had a good life, yeah, Mark, with your adoptive parents. Oh, mm. I've had an amazing life. Yeah. 
I'm in a band. And um, my dad raced cars. Yeah. So you know, like when I went to school, <clears throat> they'd say, "This might come out wrong, but I don't mean it wrong." You know, my dad's a plumber. My dad's a carpenter. What's your dad do? And I said, "He raced cars." Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the dream thing for a young boy, isn't it? My dad's, was, my dad's a race I've driver. Been, I've, I've, I've driven cars. I've driven motorbikes. He brought me up for playing lessons. Okay, so the point is, you've had a good life, reasonably privileged to some life. degree, obviously, and and it's a different life to the life you would have had or could have had. Yeah, it's a happy life. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying it wouldn't be less happy, but it's a different life to the life you would have had. Well, she 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 fell pregnant again mm. after me. Yeah, and she said that's it. There's no more. I'm not giving this baby up for adoption. Yeah, and this she went into a marriage mm-hmm. that was completely of convenience. Yeah. And had a daughter, which is my blood sister, who absolutely will not meet me. Right. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. And look, that's her choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that, that could happen too, and that's perfectly okay. That's, that's, some people just don't want to face that, and that's... that's exactly, fine. yeah. Well, look, Mark, I appreciate your honesty on the air today, and, and a lot of people listening probably would, would understand exactly what you're talking about because they've been in exactly the same situation as you. Most people well, probably have. Yeah, and, and I'm delighted this new legislation tomorrow will hopefully make sure that nobody else goes through what you went through. If you know what I mean. They won't have you to don't. go to all that trouble to find out that they'll be given that information. Yes, but the women should still be given the right not to remain anonymous. You can't. Yes, I, I think so. That's just okay, my opinion. But do you still believe, as a human being, you have a right to know who your mother is? Yes. Okay. So, but, but in saying that, there should be some part of the legislation or proviso in there that you don't make any contact if that's what they choose. Yes. Okay. I think they have the same legislation in England where you can actually do mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. Listen, Mark, thanks very much indeed. Have a thanks good for, day. Thanks for having me. You too. All right, and and uh, I hope we didn't upset you too much bringing that all back to you there, okay? <laughs> Not at all. I'm an emotional fish. <laughs> I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Listen, Thank Mark, you. thanks very much indeed, and I appreciate it. All right. Uh, that's a very interesting conversation, one that's very stereotypical of what's going on when we talk about adoption for those who don't maybe fully understand how it can affect people's lives. And you can hear how emotional Mark is getting. Unfortunately, he didn't get to talk to his mother. She died um, just after he had found out who she was. And the night before she died, she told her family about Mark. So he didn't actually get to have a chat with her. And all he wants to do is tell her he loves her. That's it. But he does agree that his mother, or his birth mother, had the right to remain anonymous. And that's the question we're asking you today. Do you believe that birth mothers should have the right to remain anonymous? Let me know what you think. The number's 087 Keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Yeah, the number's 087 By the way, something Ashley mentioned to me during the break there as well, which actually I, I never thought of, but certainly something that I've just copped on to now. We've done this topic probably over the last five or six years, you know, five or six times at least, at least once or twice a year anyway. Uh, we've talked about the, the mother and baby homes. We've talked about adoption. We've talked about women, you know, being coerced into giving up their children. And we've had numerous women on the air telling their stories, many of them who were upset, including Mark and many children, uh, adoptive children on the air. But as of yet, we have never, ever had one single father on the show. And it's something that struck me. It's not, I don't think it's that they don't care. Um, I mean, fathers, because all those babies had fathers. Every single one of them, they had to have a father. That's why I insist that we change the legislation and call it birth mother. Birth father, birth mother, birth parents, whatever. Uh, not, not this just mother to, to keep some sort of uh, minority happy. Anyway, look, getting back to, to what I'm saying, we haven't had a father of the show. And 
in those days, it was a case of, I don't think the father always absconded because that's a, a position that some people believe. Sometimes a father might have been related to the woman. Could have been an uncle or something like that because that was kind of thing was quite common in those days. But it also might have been a situation where the father of the girl who was having the baby would tell whoever the father is, go, get out of here. Don't ever want to see you again. You'll get my daughter pregnant. And he'd be told to have nothing to do with her. You know, and that, that was a lot of pressure. I, I'm not giving men an out on this, by the way, but there was a lot of pressure on having nothing. Hence, I have no idea who my father is. I would love to find out. I did a my heritage DNA thing there a while ago. I got the results back. I will talk about them on the air when we get my heritage back on the air to talk about, you know, what I do with those results. But unfortunately for me, there wasn't that much information in it. Um, not as much as I thought I might have got. Um, so I still have no closer to finding out exactly who my father is. All I know is, most likely his name is Niall, and he may have worked in Fibsbury Church, and he may have lived somewhere up along the Keys. That's all I know, and he's probably in his late 80s now. So if anybody knows a Niall who's in their late 80s, who, who was going around having a good time with um, single women back in 1963, maybe you could let, pass me a note. Anyway, getting to, I want to go to Carl. Carl, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Carl? How are you, Niall? How are you? Carl, you believe they shouldn't have the right to remain anonymous? No, they shouldn't have the right. I've got to tell you my story real quick. I was born in St. Peter's Home, the same as yourself, in 1971. Um, I searched for a long time for my birth mother, and I got letters back from her mother, who would be my maternal grandmother, Yeah. who said that, no, she doesn't want to know anything about you. She's got married, and she's living in New Zealand. And that's the end of his poor arrest. No more. So it was her, my maternal grandmother was lying to me all the time. Yeah. So I searched again about 20 years later, and I found out that she was actually living in England, in Cheshire, or Chiswick, one of them places yep. over there anyway. But she, she wanted a photograph of me and a letter which I sent over. Okay. But then she wanted nothing to do, absolutely nothing whatsoever. And why do, you, why, why do you think she wanted a photograph of you and stuff like that when she didn't want to have to do it just to pacify herself or to make herself yeah. feel better, I suppose, in some way, maybe? Curiosity kills yeah. the cat, as they say, you know. Yeah. But as it transpires that I actually found my birth father, by mistake, well, the adoption agency found him. Right. And when he found out about me, I met him the next day. Okay. He wanted to meet me straight away. And now he's passed away passed away three years ago but he was an absolute gentleman and, and, what, and what did he say to you by the way did he did he say oh <laughs> everybody thinks stereotypically the first thing he's going to say is i'm sorry uh, but what, did he did he say the circumstances at the time or did he give you any story about what the circumstances and why it happened um well he was married right okay so was he having <laughs> so, an affair yeah well she kept contacting him to say they walked in a hotel together he, she kept contacting him to say oh I'm locked out of the room can you get me into the room and this went on and on back and forward so of course then of course yeah. it happened and I was conceived and whatever it may be so he never but, told he at the time he never told his wife no so you were and, kind of a little secret yeah well he didn't know exactly what had happened to me because mm-hmm. he had lost contact with my birth mother. Her name was Patricia, anyway. Yeah. So, um, when I met him, he actually told me her family and home address, right. where she grew up. 
Okay. So I actually went down to Tipperary. Yep. Called into the house and there was nobody there. So I left a note just to say that my father worked with Patricia and they were having a reunion and trying to get in contact with her. But her brother rang me and, of course, he kind of twigged there was something up. They kind of had an idea she had a child and gave it up for adoption. So, put a long story short, I've met her twice. Okay. And I, her daughter came over, her half-sister came over. I'm not going to describe her in any no. way, shape yeah. or form because she's an absolute... One of them people, you know. Okay. But um, that didn't work out. Okay. And and, exactly. and and when you met your mother twice, what what was the reaction? Did you strike up a relationship? When I say strike up a relationship, a lot of people, by the way, they expect something. And I, and I want to just, I don't want to let people down. But if you do find out if your burnt mother is, because I've been down this road, um, you can't form a relationship with somebody you don't know. Exactly. No, and, and and there is an expectation that there's some sort of automatic chemistry and the two of you will immediately reunite after 40 years and, and act like your mother and child. That doesn't happen. That's that's Mills and Boone stuff, unfortunately. For most people, that doesn't happen. So there is a bit of an anticlimax to it. But you can get information, I suppose. And you do. You, some people can strike up a friendship and have a, a long-lasting friendship with the person. And that can work out well. But for some, it doesn't work out quite as well. Well, it didn't work out for me, and I agree exactly what you're saying. I mean, this program, Long Lost Families and that. Yeah, yeah. Where they come out and hug each other after 50 years. Yeah, and and the best of buddies. That doesn't really happen. But look, I never got any medical information. She refused to give me any medical information on whole family side. Point blank. No, you're not entitled to it. You're not getting it. I says, okay, fair enough. My birth father gave me all the medical information on his side of the family. So... Like diabetes, uh, cancer, and yeah, I have none of that. So I have none of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, thankfully, it's, I'm fairly you know healthy, yourself. by the way. So I, I don't. Hopefully, there's nothing in there. And I but do you know, know yourself, Noel. If you go into the hospital, they ask. Oh, you, it's the worst thing ever. Anything genetic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Uh, well, I do know my birth mother lived. I think she was nearly ninety. So, um, in saying that, you know, obviously she was a reasonably healthy woman up to that point in her life. You know, so I don't think there's anything too much hereditary from her side. And most hereditary conditions come from the female side, come from the mother's side anyway. So uh, I, I think I'll be okay in that, on, that, on that note. But, but, hopefully. Hopefully. But I would love, uh, like yourself, you know, I, I go through that and I would love to know who my father is. I have no idea. And it's not that I want to be his best friend. Mind you, he's probably dead. I don't want to be his best mate or anything like that. I'd just like to know who he is. We, we had a conversation once a week, every week, after I met him. Yeah. We had a phone call between us, uh, as I said, once a week. And he actually died the day before my birthday. He died on the 16th of December. I was born on the 17th. And how old was he? He would have been, I'm 50, he would have been 72. Okay. All right, okay. He wasn't wasn't that old, you know. I think it was a a heart attack. But I'm in touch with his children. And I'm in touch with all my mother's brothers and sisters. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, I, and yeah. that, you've that kind of extended family now that I'm not saying, you know, you want to be going out and having parties with them every week, but at least you have people that you can refer back to or talk back to and you, and you can put the whole yeah. picture together in your own, in your own it, head. It, it, okay, it, but just finally, because I have to go into a break, Carl. This legislation uh, that's going to be published tomorrow, apart from the issue that I have with it, that remove the word birth mother and change it to mother to keep certain people happy. Um, do you agree that uh, a mother has the, or do you believe a mother should have a right to remain anonymous? No. I don't think they should have okay. a voice. 
everyone has a right to know who they are and where they're from. Okay, and, and the legislation will make sure of that, but uh, but there may be a no-contact rule in the legislation, which means that you won't be able to contact them. But that's uh, fair enough. That's well, fair at least enough. people okay. will get, get a name. You know, after that, they can do their own investigation, Luke. All right, listen, thank you very much, Carl. Thanks for sharing your story with us now. You really appreciate it. Uh, you can text or WhatsApp 087 It's wonderful to hear other people's stories and to hear people who are affected directly by this legislation and how it will change a lot of people's lives going forward that this won't happen again. And in 40 years' time, we won't have people on the radio you know, getting upset, saying they never found out who their mother was until the day before she died. After the break, by the way, uh, journalist and reporter Alison O'Reilly will be on to give us a bit of an update on the legislation. John, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, John? Noel, how's it going, you all? Good. John, I mean, this new bill that's been published this week, it is going to make it easier for people. Um, there will be no charge. The Minister has said he's going to put three million into Tusla to help people to try to find their, you know, their medical information and their, their birth certs, etc., etc. Is it good enough, do you think? I think, I hope so, Niall. I think a lot of focus is on the birth mother. Um, I had a little lad who was born with a genetic condition. I'm adopted in 1971, by the way, from a rural town in Ireland. So when you when you started off your show, I went, well, that could be me, that could be me. That definitely sounds like me. Oh, this is the, the, oh, the email from the woman who said, yes, yeah, she gave yeah. up a boy for adoption in 1971. Yeah, yeah, I'm hitting all those marks, except for the fact it was a lady. So I've met my birth mother. Oh, okay, um, okay. I've, I've met my birth siblings. And by the way, I think you're spot on. I think the law should state that my birth mother is my birth mother because my mother and father are certainly my mother and father. The people who raised you, yes. Who raised me. I refer to them as mum and dad. I refer to my birth mother by her uh, Christian name. Yes. But So we had a little lad. He was born immature. Um, He passed away 25 days after being born. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, by the way. No, no, it's fine. But within within those 25 days, we, and prior prior to that we were scrambling left right and center to try and find out the genetic information because we knew it was important yes it was extremely important because we knew there were going to be complications when he was born and there was so we went through my birth family's my birth mother's family and all people came forward and were extremely supportive um i had met my birth father previously it's a slightly different story but um so i asked my my birth mother's sister to contact his family to see could they give us some genetic history uh, which might help us during the treatment of our little lad and uh, he had said no. He just didn't want to get involved. He just didn't want to get involved so I just wanted to put it out there. You know what so callous isn't it when you think there's a matter of life and death literally and and somebody who just doesn't want to part with information that's ridiculous. When I walked into the Ardlawn Hotel, Niall, after meeting my birth mother, and a day when the Ardlawn was packed with over 200 people in there, plus, I'd say, to meet him. Yeah. He was at the bar. I never met him before. Yeah. He was at... I walked into the packed pub, saw him at the counter, saw he was drinking a pint of Guinness. So I went around him, bought myself a pint of Guinness, and bought him a pint of Guinness. I went up to him, looked him straight in the eye, and said, Hello, I'm John. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm your son. And uh, we had four pints together. Um, he went to the restroom. He came out. He looked up at me and said, you're not my son. Don't contact me again. And I said, well, look, that's fine. You had one chance. This is your chance. And why, um, and why, why do you think he said that? Did the conversation go in a pretty uh, a direction maybe he wasn't happy with? Or why do you think he no, said that to you? not negative at all. Very, very positive. Mm-hmm. It was a very good conversation. So when he came out of the restroom, I was quite surprised. 
And I said to him, I said, do you realise I've walked into this pub on a GAA day, at our hotel, a GAA day, absolutely packed, not knowing anyone in here. And, I, and you're the first person I've spoken to because I'm in here to meet you. So how do you think I figured that out? Yeah. Um, so anyway, that wasn't going to happen. He's had his own family. He's had his own daughters. And did, did his own family know about you? No. Yes, I well, was in a, I was in a, I was in his county um, in a restaurant one day, and a young girl came up um, out of the blue. Um, I say young; she's around my own age. I thought she was hitting on me, to be honest. Right. <laughs> and she, she said to me, "You're John." I went, "Yeah, you're his son, aren't you?" Yeah. I was given up for adoption. I said, "Yes, I am." And I said, "How how did you um, how yeah. did you pick me off a crowd? Like you've just come up to me out of nowhere." Yeah. And uh, she said, she looked ahead in you. I knew exactly who you were. Oh, right. Have you, big, have you got big red and red hair or something like that? Or? Well, I was. Well, I suppose I was a bit red when I was young. <laughs> I, I faded as the years have gone on. But really, I, just with the law, it's, it's, it's the genetic side I wanted to, to get across. Because whether I have successfully met my birth parents or not, to have my own life and my own medical history and be able to access that, because every time I go into a doctor, um, they say to me, you know, do you have medical history? And I go, no. I can tell you a very quick, funny story. I, about I, I don't. I've got only 50 seconds. But, so I want to sorry. ask you, and I'm sorry for rushing you. I don't mean to rush no, anybody today. But obviously, unfortunately, we're limited by time. But in relation to this legislation, it will give everybody the right to any information they want. Although there will be a proviso in there that if the woman wants to remain anonymous, uh, or father be the case may be, um, that, that when I say remain anonymous or no contact, that you won't be able to contact them. Um, do you believe that you know these birth women and women who gave up children for adoption have a right to remain anonymous? I'm okay with it, Niall, as long as you can get the genetic information. And people who need to do it should go through a counselling service, which I did, to, to deal with all of those I would advise then, people to do that. Now, the, the bill then, doesn't strictly recommend that. It does say the no, information session will it. include explicit recognition of the rental rights. The requirement for information session to be held by a social worker has been removed, it says. So, uh, yeah, they've removed that part of the legislation. So it doesn't mean it's not necessary, but I would, like yourself, I would advise people to do that. Oh, I would strongly recommend a counselling before you put yourself in that situation because it's overwhelming. Absolutely. Um, It takes years and years to recover from it. And and, and in your situation where your father didn't want to know you afterwards, if that happens, say, to say somebody, maybe, I don't know, a young girl finds out who her mother is and goes to meet her and the mother's not really interested in her or doesn't want to bond a relationship with her, that rejection for a second time can be quite damaging to somebody's mental health. The second second, uh, rejection is well documented where a lot of people take their lives after getting a second rejection. Uh, It's horrendous. And that's why... I uh, I would strongly recommend counselling prior to to any yeah. of those kind of to be prepared for all all be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, thank you very much for sharing your story, John. I appreciate it. All right. You're very welcome. Okay, there you go. Uh, keep texting. Keep WhatsApping. I I couldn't get Alison there before the break, but I will try and get her after the break. She is busy at the press conference as we speak, and this is the press conference for the birth information and tracing bill. So hopefully, I will get her uh, after the break, and we have a, a bit of an update on what exactly is going on. There. Right, just to give us a little bit of an update, let me go to a good friend, author, and a journalist. Alison O'Reilly joins me on the line. Alison. Good afternoon to you. Hi Niall, how's things? So Roderick O'Gorman obviously has given information out in relation to the birth information mm. and tracing bill. So where does it stand now and what changes are in there or is there anything in there that wasn't expected and is it a helpful bill? 
Uh, well, it's been largely welcomed uh, uh, from different quarters, uh, like yourself, obviously, Niall, who'd know about the, the life in adoption and, and this struggle that's real and trying to obtain your information. Uh, it might come as a shock to some of your listeners that adoptees in Ireland are not automatically entitled to their uh, birth information, including medical information. It's a battle and everything's redacted. And the legislation isn't there because at the time when, when people were being adopted, and we're talking 50,000, 60,000 adult adoptees, the legislation favoured the birth mother and her privacy. So that was the huge stumbling block for years and years for people trying to obtain... So that's uh, why it sort of sat on the shelf with Captain Zapone, yeah. of course, had this sitting yeah, on the shelf yeah. gathering dust for a while because there was this yeah. whole legal argument about if I'm a mother and I don't want the child that I gave up for adoption in 1965 or whatever it was having my information do I have rights because I signed a piece of paper so does she have rights yeah well basically what's going to happen now is you as an adult adoptee under this legislation which again has to be passed through the doll and has to be signed by the president but uh, it's it's been largely welcomed all across the board and basically it means that you can obtain your information all the blockages that you have faced when you went to the Child and Family Agency, TUSLA and the Adoption Authority of Ireland, the legislation will change to allow you to receive your information. There will be no blockages. It will be unredacted. However, there is obviously a privacy issue there for the biological mother. So if you wanted, say, you know, did my mother have heart disease? Not necessarily can you get that automatically, but the minister did say today in the press conference this morning that that information can go to your medical practitioner. Um, right, because that so, would be her um, personal medical information. That's her, exactly. And okay. you can understand that bit. You can understand that bit. So but, and, uh, so it does actually remove an awful lot of those stumbling blocks. Like, say, like the requirement for, for the information session to be held by a social worker, that's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get your information unredacted. That's gone. The information session, you know, will include explicit recognition of the identity rights of the applicant. And um, the next of kin will be able to avail of the legislation to access information about the family members. Okay, so, oh, so if, if, if you have a father or a brother or sister who's passed away and you want yes. to get information about them, you should be able to do that as well. Now. You should be able to do that too, yes. Okay. So, um, and, also, and there's no uh, cost uh, factor in this as well, by the there's way. There's no, no cost. cost. Yeah, nobody's going to be, yeah, and uh, Tootsler are going to hire a new staff. The AAI are going to hire a new staff to deal with this. Um, Tootsler will get a three million budget and the AAI will get a one million budget to deal with this. The the term mother. I was just going to bring this yes. up, Alison. I'm so <laughs> yes. upset by this that they're removing the term birth mother because, and I mentioned this to the listeners about a half an hour ago. In my eyes, my mother is the woman who raised me and who passed away yeah. about 10 years ago. Wonderful woman who raised me. My birth mother yes. is the person who gave birth to me. And yeah, why are yeah. we not allowed to use that distinction anymore? Yeah, well, you see, I think because the minister said that he had so many meetings with the birth mothers, and I'm only saying that to explain it and make it easier to explain just for the moment, um, and they're disgusted with being called birth mothers. They're the mother, and in legislation, they're going to be called the mother. I'm actually with um, long-term campaigner David Kintla, as you probably know, who's been campaigning for 20 years mm-hmm. outside the doll. I'm just getting his reaction here now in Buswell this afternoon. He's sitting with me, and he has just said the exact same thing as you. He said, my adoptive mother is my mother, and yes. she's my birth mother. And he's, like, I mean, they understand, you know, if, if, for, it probably boils down to the individual. And it the, almost um, comes across as some sort of political correctness or something like that. Yeah, and, and, I know, know, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think for a lot of people, that would be quite insulting, to be honest with you. Well, I, well you know, like, um, uh, Niall, I'm an adoptive mother, and I'm my son's mother. And when people say to me, where's his real mother? I always go, well, I'm the real mother. <laughs> <laughs> you are his real mother. Of course yeah. you are, Alison. Just like Lily uh, yeah. was my real mother. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I just kind of say maybe, to, I, I, to my own son, I say, you know, your first mammy or... I, 
it's really whatever my son wants to call her, you know, because he's the person affected most by it. But I, d- I don't think there's um, anything insulting about the terms birth mother or biological mother, for example, no. which is a term that's used. I don't believe there's anything insulting about that is because that is the position of that particular person who gave birth to you. Yeah, exactly. And I do, I do understand where people are coming from all across the board with how they want to be called. But I'd say for birth mothers in particular who've been affected, you know, who have been searching for their child or their child has been taken wrongfully, I can understand them saying... I'm the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are the women that the minister has engaged with. So they've, yeah. they've changed the term. Yeah. Okay. In relation to two final questions, information that might be held, say for, say for myself, um, and this may be a selfish point of view, uh, but say St. Patrick's at home on the Navin Road would have information about, you know, my birth, yeah. have all that kind of information. Who has all that information now? Because most of these places are all gone, closed, burnt down, whatever. Who has all this information now? Well, by rice, if they were doing their job right, and we know that the nuns were uh, brilliant record keepers, even though they say, oh, things got lost, and there was a few floods and plenty of fire. Yeah, there's all that that went on. Uh, the Child and Family Agency are supposed to have all of those records. They were meant to be transferred over there. But if you go onto Tuzla's website, there's loads of different departments. So, you know, it could be it could be Dublin West. It could be, you know, down the country. So you have to kind of find the one that's uh, uh, in your location. But I always just say to people, write to the headquarters in the Burnell building in Euston Station. That's what I always say to people. Right. Just go there and they'll put you into the right department. But they're supposed to have your records. Okay. And finally, so in relation to the mothers who want to remain anonymous, who might have got married, you know, grown up with other people who have no idea about their their past or their little secret that they might have had 30 or 40 years ago. So you're entitled to find out who they are uh, and their name. Uh, But what about, is there going to be like a no contact order? Yeah, it, it, it basically, and that works on both sides. Now, if you're an adoptee and you don't want your mother looking for you, you can say, I don't want you to contact me. And it, it works the same. For but the is, that, is that legally, when you say, is that legally sound? In other words, if the person kind of knocks on your door and says, hi, ma'am, I'm your son, uh, you know, can they be get into trouble? I mean, is that a legal requirement? Can they put a protection order on that or a safety order on that? Or how is that You know, work? I think... The minister was asked this today and he said most people respect those orders and there's no need for that. But but, okay. but the, the crux of it is, Noel, privacy is privacy. And if you don't want somebody contacting you, I'd say it's down to the individual to do as they like with that. Okay. Right. If they feel in any way harassed, you know. And, and just finally, in relation to the, the redress, of course, which is a big question a lot of people have been talking about. Yeah. Now, obviously, the redress yeah. was announced going back a few months ago, but many people yeah. weren't quite happy with the fact that you had yeah. to be more than six months in their mother and baby home. Yeah, and they that's weren't, disgraceful. Yeah, that's and, disgraceful. and they felt, felt the sum of money obviously wasn't mm-hmm. enough either. Where are we with that now? Or do you know how far down the road we are with that? Well, the Taoiseach was quoted there before Christmas that, you know, there will be no change to the redress scheme, but that is, you know, it's an 800 million extra pack, package there for survivors. And as far as they're concerned, there'll be no change to it. And as, as I was saying to, to, to David Simpson earlier, he was saying, you know, people who have, were so mentally damaged by their adoptions, because not every placement was as good as yours, Niall, you know, mm. and there were terrible abusive situations as well. People ended up with genetic bewilderment, very confused, poverty-stricken addiction, mental health. And they been, you know, in poverty for, for so long because of these things, through no fault of their own. Mm. So many deeply unhappy with the redress scheme, but as, as of yet, seems to be no change, and the, and the Taoiseach is not returning on this, it seems.
Okay, there is a protest, I know, on the 19th of January outside uh, the doll. I think you've been uh, talking about that as well. So Yeah, I'm here. David's sort of doing his placards now, so he was saying, yeah, please mention the, the, the protest next week. Get the, get the yeah. plug in for the protest. Of get the plug in for the protest. I mean, they absolutely are Trojan yeah. um, protesters, aren't they? 20, 20, 30 years absolutely. they're fighting absolutely. for these things. No Phenomenal, yeah. yeah so, the changes doesn't happen without this people power. Okay, so anybody who has been involved in the Mother Baby Homes or you want to join the campaign, there's a protest on the 19th of January. And what time does that kick off? Or does it, does what it time happen? for that, David? Two o'clock. Two o'clock outside the doll, I assume. Outside the doll. Two yeah. o'clock. All right. Listen, Alison, thank you very much. And have, you have been a Trojan yourself, by the way, because, of course, <laughs> most people don't remember, remember this, but you were the, the journalist, of course, who exposed the whole Tubes Baby story at the very, very start. And, and you've done some great work in relation to mother and baby homes over the years and your own book, of course, Bridget, as well. Um, so, listen, thank you very much indeed for being involved. Thanks a million, right. Niall. Thanks very much. All right. Thank the you. The fight goes on. The fight goes on. The fight goes on. <laughs> thank you very much. There you go. Alison O'Reilly, what a wonderful journalist who's been involved in the very, very start in all of this by the way, and has been helping all the campaigners to get their stories out in all the different media that she's worked in throughout the years, uh, including many newspapers, radio stations, etc., etc. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.